vicious. Good evening. Welcome to New York Talk. Um, no, Rotten Games to talk about, really. Um, but we're still going to have a good go at trying to find some Rotten-related stuff to talk about this afternoon, this evening, wherever you listen to us. We are live through YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook today. So if anybody's watching or listening through there, you feel free to get involved um, and comment on you know any, any topics you want us to discuss. Uh, Brothers only with us, saying good evening. Good evening, thank you for joining us here. Um, and if you're listening on audio, make sure you've subscribed for future episodes. And as we'll mention uh, again, good growth episode coming up next week or so. So keep a close eye on that. Um, we have Mick and Danny with us joining us. Thank you for joining us, boys. No worries. Yeah, good evening. Uh, Mick from is, Wales. Yeah, and Mick's in North Wales. So a regular listener, new to us, welcome. Uh, if you have been with us before, you are, we will we'll be aware of the issues Mick has had broadcasting live from Wales in the past. Um, so, which one? <laughs> at least he's not in a car park this time. Well, I do know. It's <laughs> a, a pretty was, car park. I was like, it's a posh looking car park if it's got nice flowers and that. Well, it's got curtains. <laughs> let's, not, let's not go any, let's not delve any no. deeper into that, shall yeah. we? Yeah, no, I think that's covered as much as we can. Um, so we're going to talk about the few international players that have been away. We've got a couple of topics to talk from Twitter on there as well. And it's International Week if we, you know, if we don't cover everything that there is. <laughs> somewhere wrong. International Week. Um, international Week. England have a 5-0 win and England will qualify on Tuesday. They will. Um, so let's have a look at the internationals. There's only one place to start with the internationals, mate. Chio Ogbené. Um, hey. The feel-good story of International Weekend. Not only is the first African player to play for Ireland, he has now scored a goal for Ireland, and he scored a header for Ireland. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> brilliant. And I mean, they were playing as part of the front two as well, rather than out wide. It was right. Um, yeah. Um, and and I, obviously, I mean, I don't know what minute it came on, something like 60th minute, something around about hour mark, uh, and he was straight into it, straight into it, mm. nearly providing assist for. Uh, uh, the hat trick for, for the, the other lad who I can't remember whose name I can't remember his name now. Robinson. Rob, Robinson Robinson yeah um, so so yeah good performance nice to see great to see um, a Miller playing on international stage absolutely brilliant hmm. I know he's only Azerbaijan Danny but he did have a, a good old time causing some right problems with their defenders <laughs> yeah I mean I've seen I saw some of the Irish fans saying how fast he was and how uh, he, how easily he beats some players, and it's like you're just coming to know what we expect from Chio. <laughs> um, but no, he's definitely had some lessons from either Woody or Smudge uh, to have an header like that because he's edited it from about what 13 14 yards mm. out from mm. goal and, mm. and smashed in the top corner. So, you know, he's been having lessons off somebody. Um, <laughs> but like you say, he played uh, in a front two when he came on, so that might cause some more headaches for Warney. Like, hang on, he can he can play in the front line rather than the wings. So we've now found Gio's backup position. You can play as a striker. So now we've got five technically, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he played a couple of times last season as a striker, but more deep. Yeah. He didn't play as far forward as he did for Ireland. Um, 
But yeah, it's been great to watch the build up to it to the game because of the story behind it, the interviewing quite a lot. It speaks really, really well, mate. It just fits into that good human beings uh, category. <laughs> and the more it's one of them people, which it says about a lot of our players, the more I listen to him, the more I watch him play, the more I just fall in love with the guy. It just comes across as such a, a, a nice bloke, a happy bloke. I was, I was just, it's just, you know, enjoying what he's doing, isn't he? You know, um, and, and it's just great to see. It's fantastic to see. Um, and yeah, lovely bloke. Top fella. Yeah. Um, oh, another international. Shane Ferguson, I don't think, came on for Northern Ireland uh, against Switzerland. They were, they were now to 10 men quite early on, though, so I think that impacted them. They got, well, they got, well, got, got sent off for time wasted in like the 35th minute. It was brilliant. <laughs> I mean, I mean that is just ridiculous. I, 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 I don't know what the referee's thinking. I genuinely don't. I, I assume he's had a yellow card for something prior to that, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. because he was second yellow. But I mean, come on. I, I just, I, I'm sorry. I, 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 it's just bizarre, isn't it? We need that referee in our game when we can come to town in a few weeks. Oh yeah. Uh, I swear we've had this conversation about whose goalkeeper was it when he got booked for time wasting at 36 minute and he kept yeah, doing it. It might, was it? No, it was. It was. I think it was crew, maybe. Yeah, yeah, crew actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it's like we were, we were saying, can someone get booked twice for time wasting and be sent off? Well, I'll say Jamal Lewis got booked once for it and then got sent off. But I think it's a referee mistake. I think he's got. I think, to I think he's for time to show. Yeah, yeah. He's already booked him, and then he's gone. Oh, he's time wasting. I'm going to go and book him. And all Switzerland was it Switzerland? Mm. Yeah. yeah, all their players went, oh, you've already booked him, that's twice, that's twice, so now he has to send him off. But no, yeah. it's, it's, it's a ridiculous decision, to be honest. Yeah, it is. Um, and I think that has impacted Ferguson getting, getting any chance, really. Um, the other international that did play, or was it under cooking, the international, under-19s, Northern Ireland played, but didn't score. Um, Josh Coyote started on Friday afternoon for the Republic of Ireland, under-21s, got his goal. Um, it wasn't a very good standard, Danny. It looked like under twenty-one football, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, and, but but I mean, it's um, it's great experience for him because he's an international before he's really a first-team regular in men's football. Um, so I think he can just build on that. Like he's got the match day experience internationally. So if he does get selected later down the line when he's more of a, a senior professional, he's more uh, weathered to it, if you mm-hmm. like. So that can only be a good thing for. Josh um, for young JJ and um, I, I think he'll be a fully fledged international soon I think he's mm. got that bit about him but the only thing that's stopping him is regular first team football at Rotherham. through him as soon as he gets that he's away I think yeah I think you're probably right got some comments here we've got Big Boys United is, is joining us uh, evening says, say singles you're out Danny um... <laughs> yeah he's, he's, uh, he's my mate's football team I said to him how come it's called Big Boys United it sounds a bit little bit suspect that and it's like oh because we're all fat lads playing football it's like right okay i'll let you off that one. Fair enough. <laughs> i'll be there later uh, signing in the summer <laughs> uh ray smith is with us uh he, he agrees great to see old benny score uh he bumped into brex around thyra country park and he gave him full commentary on the dapo at hillsborough a joy um yeah um kian benson's with us as well let's see what this is all about nice to have you with us kian i hope you enjoy it uh, Ian Bradley agrees that JJ is going to be a star, whether it's with us or not, remains to be seen. Let's hope it is with us. Um, let's now move on to for internationals. Unless if any other international, rather than related internationals, there's much more to cover, is there? <clears throat> no. Cool. 
Um, we need to recover the Grig chat we had last week, don't we? Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> our understanding was there was no recall clause. The Paul Davis article came out the day, a few hours after we finished recording, and it turns out there is a recall option in there, making apparently Sunderland insisted on that. Um, if for me, I don't really get it. If you're going to loan a player out like we're going to be roughly there, I'm not saying we're going to be top spot, but we're going to be in and around the playoff picture. So, if you've the only reason you would put in a recall clause in is to call him back to hurt us, why would you loan him out to us in the first place then? Well, because first of all, we're little old Rotherham, aren't we? So, we're never going to do all, uh, and they're a massive, huge, enormous, stupendously massive club. So, you know, how can we ever have any impact on them? But just in case that we actually do, then they'll uh, then they'll put that recall clause in there. I, I I've thought about this since we talked about it on the on the last podcast. Um, and if 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 we are anywhere near that top six come January, they will recall him. I don't see how there's any any doubt about that whatsoever. That in my view, uh, I hope I'm wrong, but I, I just I, I think they will recall him. And I, I would also go as so far as to say, we will not buy him. I don't. I just don't see how we can afford, not necessarily a transfer fee because he's got six months left on his contract or whatever with them, um, but we're not able to afford to pay his wages. So unless he's going to take a wage cut uh, to come to us, I don't think we'll be able to afford to buy him. And there'll be people queuing up to, bear in mind the likes of Ipswich and, and Piggies down the road spending money like it's going out of fashion. I mean, they would just absolutely love that, wouldn't they? That would be right up their street, that. To come and sneak in in January and, uh, and nick him. I would look out. It's difficult to find players' wages, and I suppose rightly so. The closest thing I could find on it is on around six grand a week. I thought it was much more than that. I thought I thought we would be talking ten. Yeah, that's from two. I can't remember the websites. From two different websites say around six grand a week. That's we're not going to pay six grand a week, but that's not crazy money. No, I mean I don't. I think our highest earners up that way anyway. Mm. Um, but yeah, like like Mick said, I think the recall option is probably there to hurt us. If say we go above Sunderland at some point and we are still above them in January, they'll recall Grig and try and send him out somewhere else, and it'll hurt us. And then they'll try and go above us. Um, but I think the in, if you put business hats on and look at it, it could be a way of right. We'll send him on loan to Rotherham if he does really well then we'll recall him and try and get a bit of money out of him. Now, whether or not we'll pay the money they want for him or he goes somewhere else is another issue. But you can see why the recall option loans there is, is it's a bit little bit like what happened with Kiefer Moore. He came on loan to us, did really well, got recalled and then and sold on. So something similar could happen. Um, but I will just say when I saw the article come out, I went very embarrassed and hid in my bedroom <laughs> for the rest of the night. Um, so I honestly thought it was here for a season-long loan, but if there's a recall option, then it's virtually nailed on Sunderland. will enact it um, in whatever sense of malicious or business they want to do it. Um, and I think it might be in relation to hanging on to Michael Smith in the summer if we keep Alder Grigg in January. So, you know, fingers yeah. crossed. But in terms of moving on, there is a question mark over that because obviously the FIFA rules say you can't play for more than two clubs in a season. He has played in the League Cup for Sunderland. Now, I, I, I haven't been able to find this clarification anywhere. I don't know if the League Cup counts as, a, as an appearance under that law, under that rule or whatever it is. Well, why, why would it not? 
I don't, well, it's an, I don't it's know. It's an EFL-sanctioned competition. It? Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's an EFL-sanctioned competition, as is the Football League. Yeah. So My guess would be that it counts. In, which which puts a different complexion on it, doesn't it? Yeah. It puts mm. it, it. It puts it into a, a different, um, a different <laughs> situation. But nevertheless, I cannot see Sunderland just going, "Oh no, no, it's right. Don't worry about it, kid." You know what I mean? It, it's not going to happen, is it? No. Well, the hope is that they don't care. The hope is that arrogance is not the right word. The hope is that they're confident enough in their own squad and their own team that they think, "Oh, it doesn't matter anyway," because we can't obviously can't play <laughs> against them, so it's not going to hurt them. Um, I don't know. It's an interesting one that. And I suspect they'll be. I, I, if I was Sunderland, I'd call him back. But I, yeah. if I was Sunderland, I wouldn't have loaned him out in the first place. So, well, yeah, I mean, if, if 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 we were Sunderland, they wouldn't be in that position. You know, it wouldn't be in a position where a player of his quality and his experience had been consigned to, you know, not even bench. It wouldn't happen. Yeah, but you, um, you, you, you could use, use something like a Sadlier as an example. Well, we, why would we learn? Sadly, I'm not, well, I said that we've learned tilt at the Wigan, I suppose. But we, for me, we were, we that was a silly move, letting him go back to Wigan. I, I, mm. I don't agree with it, but I can see why it happened. But it is the equivalent of loaning, loaning Sadly out to Sunderland. They'd be stupid. Although he's not getting in our team, if they think he's going to improve their squad, why would we do that? Yeah, but we hadn't, we hadn't sort of sidelined him deliberately because we don't like him. You know, no, we're, yeah, we're, yeah. Not, we're not saying Kieran Sadler don't fit part, don't fit our, our club ethos or, or whatever it is. Uh, you can go and train with juniors, kid. That's not what's happening happening here, which it, uh, it appears is what happened with Will Grigg at Sunderland. I don't know. I don't know whether it did or not, but it certainly didn't fit into their plans in any way. Um, don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. But like you said, that, that issue of playing for two clubs in one season does become a problem for Sunderland. Mm. Uh, now, now they've done that, they may have shot themselves in foot a little bit there. Or they may just recall him and sit him on, ben- sit him on bench. It doesn't seem well thought out from Sunderland, Danny. <coughs> I mean, we, we, might, we, might be, we might have misread something somewhere, you know, misread the situation. It, it, it could have something to do with the, um, with the Doncaster deal as well, because I've heard that uh, Grigg was meant to be going to Doncaster on a three-year deal and they were ready to go with that. Um, but he's come to us on loan. Now, whether or not we want him on loan because it's reduced wage that we have to pay, mm. or we want to take him on loan to have a look at him first. And then the only reason Sunderland have got the recall option is if we want to take him on a permanent, we can they can say, right, we'll take him back in, in January and you'll pay us the fee for him. That that could be it. And it could be we could be looking too much into the malicious side of it. Um, but you never know in football, really, do you? Um, but like you say, with the. Um, uh, with with it like being cup tied and club tied, you have to look at when we loaned Tilt out the first time to Wigan. We recorded him in January, and he was on the bench for the FA Cup game against was it Everton? Yes. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. So he was on the bench, and that was him done. That was his two clubs. So he didn't even have to play for him. He was just in the match day squad, and that's him done. Mm. So the only club we could send him back to was Wigan. So if Griggs already. Um, appeared for Sunderland in the League Cup, and now he's come to us. That's him done. Yeah. You know they they you, they are your two clubs this season, mate. So I don't know. It's interesting. I like the way you, I like the way you said it weren't very well thought out by Sunderland, Matt. It's like they've got a history of thinking things out particularly well. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, look where they are. Cool. Look at the look at the financial state they found themselves in. 
uh, a League One pay, club playing five million quid for a striker who they don't, then don't play. They don't. Mm. They clearly, previously, uh, as a as a as a club, you know, management team or whatever, clearly don't think things aren't very well, do they? And it would appear that that seems to have continued uh, in this case. We'll see. We'll see. But I, I suspect they'll call him back, and then it's then we can start moaning about Tony Stewart not digging his hand in his pocket, can't we? <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it comes down to it comes down to Griggs choice as well like would yeah. you rather um, just go back to Sunderland and sit on their bench and like make maybe I don't know six or so appearances or would you try and force a move out where he says no I want to go I want to go back there mm. you know there is there is a little bit of uh, player input that can happen uh, to the point where if it comes to extremes he could actually one strike against Sunderland if they recall yeah. him and then just choose not to play him Um because it is a player-focused world now these days. It didn't used to be. It used to be clubs, but now it's changed into players because of the PFA and such. You can tell if you've learned about this at Unic, aren't you? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but, yes, but there is a certain amount of swing on Griggs' part. But, like like we say, it's one of them things where wait until January, see what happens. It, it could be the exact same thing as we did with Wigan with Till um, last season. Or it could be something completely different and suddenly just go, we don't like you being above us, recall him just to hurt us and then we've only got three strikers. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Russ Bale is on Facebook and join us, Mick. Uh, I think you've seen the drinking Carlin. Um, <laughs> I'll be honest, I'm surprised you're drinking Carlin. You don't know where Carlin Well, it's at. because it's all that's left in the fridge here, that's all. Otherwise, I wouldn't be drinking it. It's like, it's like I might as well... It, it, it were a toss-up between that and that. And the, the, the difference in taste is minimal, to be honest with you. But there you go. <laughs> uh, we're with us on the, on the Grig situation. So you, you can't see them recalling Grig. Uh, I think both wanted rid of each other. They're able to bag a bad egg up there, apparently, but still their player. And we'll be interested to see how uh, we both feel amongst it later on. Uh, but while he's here, let's hope he gets the goals and worry about later. later. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's couple. Of, let's, we've got a couple of comments. We're going to go through some sort of different topics before we come back to Rotherham. We're going to have a sort of mini season, not a review, but look back at the, the eleven games we've had so far. This is a touchy subject, Mick, but let's let's, de- let's drill down in it. Now, this is a big story from Ireland. Callum Robertson, who scored the two goals in Bajan, has been refused the COVID vaccine, which is obviously well within his rights. Um, Ian Bradley asks, should he be allowed to play for Ireland? Um, now, the issue for me is. I'll get your vaccine, don't get your vaccine, and you know, you do your own research. This pen this puts issues on travel, doesn't it? Really, mm. other countries have different rules. It is potentially, he's got into Azerbaijan, obviously, but he is, from a footballing point of view, he is put, putting himself in a bad situation. That's all we need to talk about, really. Yeah, I guess. I guess, and is he putting his teammates in a difficult situation as well? Because, you know, if, if, if he's, if, if he has been, if everybody else has been jabbed and he hasn't, he catches it. You know, there's more chance. Of, in my head, whether I'm right or wrong, I'm not a COVID conspiracy theorist, so I don't know. If you're more chance of catching it if you haven't had it than if you have, therefore, you know, you're gonna you're gonna cause issues for your for your teammates um, and 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 your team, uh, as we found out to our cost last season with with all those games postponed because of the COVID outbreaks. If you if you cause a COVID outbreak in your club, in your uh, national team, you know, you've got to think about that. You've got to, you've got to give that some thought. Um, and I would have thought that the management team would have to give that some thought as well. Um, I, 
personally, I don't get it, you know, but that's that's his choice, like you say. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it strikes me as being a bit selfish, to be honest. Okay. Um, I enjoy particularly Danny's manager called him uh, an infectious character. Uh, which is quite <laughs> good uh, any thoughts you want to give on this, Danny? Um, well, like you say, it's all down to personal choice with vaccines. Um, I assume everyone on screen now is double jabbed. Correct. Yeah. All right. Yeah, six six. Um, but yeah, I mean, it does come down to personal choice. He might have some sort of belief, or his family don't want him to have it or something. But um, if he ever goes to Ipswich's ground, he's going to have a bit of trouble because it's like Fort <laughs> yeah. <not> getting in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, it comes down to personal choice. But like Mick says, you are more likely to catch it if you haven't had your jabs, and it's more likely to affect you in a more severe way. Um, I suppose I've got a bit of knowledge on my side because my uncle works in pharmaceuticals and used to work for AstraZeneca. And he's the one who says, if you get a chance to have your double jab, have it because it's it's best thing for you. But, you know, it, it's not right to abuse him or go after him just because he's not double jabbed. It's his personal choice, but it will hit some sort of bump where they'll play someone who says you have to be double jabbed to travel or or come into the country or whatever. And it'll just impede him. Mm. Um, hopefully that's not the case. And, you know, it, it, COVID gets to a point where we don't have to really, like, uh, spread people out into the jabbed and unjabbed categories. Because it, it might be a case of that in the Irish camp, the majority of them have had a jab. So he's mm. more protected anyway, because they're more protected and less likely to yeah. be severe and pass it on or whatever. But... It's his personal choice, just leave him to it. If it affects him, it's his own fault for not having it done. But if not, then, you know. Mm. Uh, Ian Bradley makes a good point. If uh, it could affect whether if Chio gets COVID now, but we'll be very, yeah. very unhappy with Carl mm. Robinson. We'll be happy, mate. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll go um, strike at West Brom's ground and go with demand rep <laughs> reparations for that. A <laughs> lot <laughs> uh, more positive topic. Ian Bradley is with us again. Um, Danny, you're wearing the England shirt, so I'm going to start with you on this one. Does anybody think the female officials in the England game were excellent? Um, in the football history, they were the first full female team of officials to have a game, I think, in professional football history. Um, and they're one of the. I, I, this is always what you say about referees. I didn't really notice the referee. If I didn't know beforehand that they, they, they were female referees, I would, wouldn't have noticed it. It was a very solid game. I suppose an easy game to ref, but they did a very good job. Yeah, I think it's one of them fields where it just comes down to ability rather than gender or sex or whatever. Um, and to be fair, them three officials were better than some of the standards we've seen in League One this season Correct. and in the Championship as well <clears throat> and in the Premier League with the, some of the VAR decisions. So it's it's brilliant that it'll, it'll inspire uh, lasses to go into refereeing and not be limited to the fact that they only see male refs in the middle at at uh, internationals and league football, it's great for the her game two campaign as well. So they should get on that. Um, yeah, there were no difference really. There was no uh, negative aspect to it really in terms of botching a decision. And yeah, it's just great for international football that we have the standard of official in both camps that can ref England games now. Mm. We've seen it more and more, mate. There were there were another lines linesman yesterday. I can't remember which game or what we watched. Were it maybe the game we watched the um, Lithuania game? What linesmen were whatever one I think. I can't remember. It's only one yesterday. One international game, and obviously choosing that against Scunthorpe. Mm. Again, the liner was woman. We've seen it more and more. 
Uh, we see a box of black referee the other week, which I think was the first black referee since Uriah Rennie in the EFL football. Yeah. We're seeing these yeah. different people, these different people in different bounds coming into a very, very tough um, game. I'm, I'm find, I find the female referee subject quite, quite a fascinating one, to be honest with you. Um, because I think probably without exception, the female referees I've seen um, have been absolutely excellent. I'd like and to draw I, your attention back to that whole game a couple of years ago. Yeah, well, that were a reference. Yeah, yeah, I accept that. I accept that. But that was a lineswoman. Someone, a refer- yeah. And a linesman, lines referee, assistant referee. Um, and, and they obviously just took their cue from the clown that were referee in the middle. Um, I, I know I am very critical of referees. I accept that. And I know probably a lot of the time I shouldn't be. You know, perhaps I perhaps I'm a little bit I, I go a little bit over the top with it, um, but my my issue with them always and always has been is about consistency, and when I see female referees, I always seem to get consistency, you know, and I don't know whether it's a difference. I'm I, I, maybe I'm showing my age here. I don't know whether it's a difference between the male and female psyche, the male and female approach to to those sorts of environments, but we always seem to get consistency from them and it's not consistently bad you know what i mean it's just the yeah. consistency of decision making um they haven't got and and, and you, you put on top of that they haven't got this this um i don't know this this sort of because they haven't got to put this front on you know to show that yeah. i'm in charge kind of kind of uh, attitude yeah. they just go about the business and they go about it effectively and efficiently um and consistently that's all we ask from any referee. Um, and sadly, time and time and time and time again, when we're particularly in the championship, not just for us, but for everybody, the lack of consistency is breathtaking. It really is. Um, you know, it's, it's just remarkable. I, I, I watched the first 20 minutes of the England game and I got bored, to be honest with you. It was just a bit tedious. Uh, but, for, but what I saw of it, I thought the referee had a really good, put in a really good performance. Again, like I said, it were about the consistency. Uh, so yeah, I'm all for it, mate. Absolutely all for it. I think that, I, to be honest with you, like I said, from what I've seen, I think they all should be. They should be all female teams, the, the refereeing, because they seem to be a lot better. Yeah, well, I think you still got people. Uh, Stuart Atwell's the uh, the IR referee <laughs> for the Tennis Nations League final. Um, oh, like, quite like Mick. Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. It's like it's one of those, isn't it? You know, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of a lot of us who, um, uh, you know, at work and everything else, we see these people getting promoted and promoted and promoted, all of whom are capable of talking a good job, but not actually doing it. And and they, Stuart Atwell's clearly one of those. He's right in there. I'm sure he can answer all the questions he needs to answer, you know, on paper. But when it comes to actually putting it into practice, he's clueless, and he shows it time and time again. Um, I don't know. It's just bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. But there you go. It is. Let's, um, it. let's bring, bring it back to Rotherham United. Uh, we've got a couple more questions from Ian on Twitter. This time from Twitter. Um, this I've got two two sort of match day ticket related, uh, which is was sort of an interesting point. Uh, he mentions he also he mentions that he mentioned the idea of a family day like Bolton had ten pound a ticket um, if they have returned it. Um, this is something the club normally do. They don't necessarily repeat it. For Bolton, you know, it won't necessarily be a, a reciprocal uh, agreement. 
but there would there is normally a, it's either bring a friend for a fiver, kids for a quid. Uh, the club are generally quite good with these days. We don't have too many, Mick, but you'll get a couple a season. Mm. Yeah, and rightly so as well. You know, we need to fill the stadium, don't we, as much as we possibly can. I'm sure we'll come on to that. Um, you know, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's a good idea. The more people we can get through the door, the more people may well return. You know, people who don't come regularly, if they enjoy it, if they have a good time, then if they can get in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If they can get through turnstiles, you know, it, it, it's um, it's a good idea. It's a good idea. I suppose for us, Danny, that it, Bolton have got a thirty thousand seat stadium and get probably I don't know, ten to fifteen thousand. They need to get more people in the stadium. We we as a club generally not don't sell out our home side, but eight thousand is not what we normally get as a home base. You don't. There's no need to pressure to get more fans in desperately. Yeah, and I think the uh, the community days that we do <clears throat> at the club are very good. Um, but like you say, we don't have a massive stadium that we can fill with uh, everybody in for a five, in, in, in for a tenner or a fiver. And I think the bring a mate for a fiver and, and kids for a quid is a, a great way to um, bring people in from the community and not just get as many people in as you can, which I think is partially due to Bolton's family thing with the whole £10 thing and make it more accessible for everybody, but they've got the capacity to do that. And I've just had a quick um, quick look, and our average home attendance so far is 9,300 this season. Yeah. Um, so well, There's only, only one set of fans that's brought any real numbers, and that was Sheffield Wednesday. That's mostly yeah. home fans, isn't it, really? Yeah. Um, so there's not a desperate need, but with the community days, it just opens more doors for people to come in as well. Mm. Um, and we've got a, a scheme already in place that's reimbursing people who might not have money due to COVID impact and such, where they can mm. apply and get tickets for reduced price anyway, um, which is good because I've paid in my, however much it was to that, there was a cancelled hospitality thing. I went, no, you can have it, let someone else come in mm. with my money, it's fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've got that in place. So, But it is, it is a great thing to have family days at clubs because it just... Like I say, it opens more doors to people and lets you know the younger kids come in and experience football, which will hopefully let them stick on and be Rotherham fans in future, and they just keep coming back. Yeah, yeah. The, the price for for kids, I'm, I've got a season ticket for my six-year-old. I think the prices for under X, you got a season ticket for thirty quid, and that's like that's, that's brilliant. You can't argue with that. You know, if you don't come for half at games, it doesn't really matter because it's only thirty quid, and she's going to come to some games. So I think there are some a lot of positives. Um, and bear in mind, we don't charge 26 quid like Cheltenham do. I think there's positives from that point of view as well. Um, Ian Bradley with another suggestion on Twitter. Um, he wants to know, he thinks maybe we should have some more flexibility. Um, you know, fans, for fans that work some Saturdays, work some Tuesdays, he likes the idea of introducing uh, tickets for, let's say, five to ten games. So five games, you buy, uh, not a season ticket, but game pass for five games, ten games, uh, for games that they know that they can, uh, they can attend. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Anything that allows people to to get a little bit of a discount, but also put some money back into the club, um, is is a good idea. And 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 obviously, you know, we 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 buy season tickets, and in the main, they're able to get to every week, every game. But a lot, some people work weekends and aren't able to. So yeah, I can I can I can see that. It, it it's about. The club has got a striker balance, haven't they? They clearly have got to make a profit. They need to bring the cash in. That's the first thing. 
Um, but they also need to keep fans on side. And, 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 and I'm sure the club are aware. Well, they are aware. They've proved it over the last two years. You know, they are aware of the impact of COVID on people. They are aware of the financial difficulties some people are in. Um, and, and I know they clearly do go some way to, to, to trying to help those people. And anything that they could do in that, you know, to assist ticket-wise would, would definitely be welcome. No, no issue with that at all. I think it's a really good idea. Yes. The, the issue is you've you've got sorry you've got you've you know if you're reserving a seat and stuff like that that's when it becomes potentially an issue. So for example, yeah. I don't know if we've got a you've got you've got one match left on your five five game pass, uh, and that match happens to be Sheffield Wednesday at home and it's sold out. That 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 becomes the issue, you know, reserving the seat and reserving yeah. space and, and and stuff like that. So that. You know, the club can't either. Either one can't sell that ticket just in case you turn up. So yeah, there are some logistical issues with it. But yeah, I'm sure it, nothing that can't be overcome. Mm. Yeah, um, let's talk about attendances. Um, I'm going to let Danny go first this because Mick will give himself to calm down after I ask the question. Um, <laughs> it was announced again just after we finished recording, which was very helpful. Um, it was announced that due to particularly roadworks, um, we are having to reduce our capacity to 1,500, potentially till the end of the year. Um, this is very poor, Danny. Not the club. First, it's important to point out, this has nothing to do with the club and nothing to do with the stadium. It is all down to Rotherham Council making an absolute bodge job of what they're doing. Yeah, so basically until end of the year, we've got a capacity of 10,000. <clears> that's how that's how Amanda Way fans, and it's just because Rotherham Council are taking the Mickey building a bridge. Um, and I mean, we've got we've already got a system in place where you just skirt around the council building and then go up Don Street. Now, whether or not that is now inaccessible because of the bridge works, which I can't see why, mm. uh, we've already got a system in place which is a decent system. It's just that if you think there's going to be trouble at a game or something you just have to have that police cordon on new york way and just funnel the fans through the uh, council car park unless they've got ump on that we keep using their car park i don't know um but yeah it, it seems to be a bit of a silly decision because and it seems to be a bit of a knee-jerk decision because the bridge is meant to be done by now you know in the initial statement and what we've heard from the announcer works are continuing until october all right, fair enough. You've had 18 months with no fans in to do it anyway, but but and now it's suddenly December and we've had limited capacity. Now, that'll impact the club by about roughly an average of 36,000 per game in, in profit from ticket sales, which doesn't sound like a lot, but for a club like ours, it could prove two weeks' wages for somebody mm. um, or for a number of players. So if the council... I've forced it upon us because of health and safety reasons. We should get a reimbursement from it. But because it's Rotherham Council, I can't see us getting squat from them. They've just gone, oh, you're going to have to limit your stadium. And because we, I think they partially own the stadium or something, or they've got some sort of holding over it or something like that, they can make that decision. And it's like, uh, it's, 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 it's silly because it should be done by now. But unfortunately, it's one of them things where you go, it's out of our hands. It's the high ups that have made the decision. Yeah, it's a safety advisory group, uh, which Mick may have a bit, a bit, bit meta knowledge of me than that. J-Boy says on here, it doesn't matter because we never sell out anyway. Well, for the Sunderland game, 
we would have sold out. And we're now down to we were, when it was announced on Friday that then took us down to two hundred tickets off being capacity. And the games of what? Well, it's almost a month away. Sunderland's end of month, and it? it's miles away. Hmm. Um, so it is going to it is it is causing problems. And like Danny says, it is going to cost us money. It, luckily, we're not in the championship. Because that would be a sellout every single week in league, and we are, we might not sell it every week, but it is still going to put a, a quite a bad impact. Um, yeah, Mick, are you chilled out enough to give you a, a comment? Or yeah, I mean, I don't know what anybody expects from Rotherham Borough Council. I, I, I don't, I don't know why anybody's surprised. They, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> absolutely bang on. Take away from take away from the football club. You know, you walk around town centre and all the wonderful buildings that used to be there that they just demolished. They just they seem to be on a on a. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's all sorts of problems, council wise. Anyway, but let's let's stick with Rotherham United. Um, ultimately, ultimately, there's been 18 months where we had no spectators in that football ground where that work could have been carried out, and they've waited and waited and waited until. The football ground opens again, and then they started the work. What work I mean, is it exactly? So we, we, I we don't go that way. Nobody's. I have no idea, no idea whatsoever. Um, it's it's just a joke. But then the council are a joke, aren't they? But you know, they've been in power for too long. That's the problem. Um, you know, and the well, it's com- it's about complacency, isn't it? They know that whatever happens, they will be in power come the next election. Uh, local elections, whatever, they know that that's the case. So they can just do what they want, and they do do what they want. Um, they, if that's costing Rotherham United 30 grand per home game, that, I mean, if I'm Tony Stewart, I'd be, I'd be kicking doors of Riverside, Riverside House down. Absolutely. Because that is absolutely outrageous. But what do you expect? Like I said, and, and, and then when you start talking about safety advisory groups, when you, as soon as you start getting into that world, they just they were absolutely scared, senseless. They are scared, senseless. These public bodies, because if the wheel comes off, they will get sued. They'll be in paper for a start, and they don't want to be in paper. They don't want to get any bad PR. They're not bothered about football supporters giving them a bit of jip. That's not that's not what's relevant. It's not important. Uh, what's important is that they don't get any bad PR nationally. Um, particularly for Rotherham, for obvious reasons. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a joke. It's embarrassing. But I don't know what anybody expects. I don't know why anybody's surprised. I'm not. Not in the least little bit surprised that Rotherham Council made a mess. Makes no, absolutely no surprise whatsoever. Useless. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jim, I also mentioned this is a very good point. To me, 1500, he says, to me also, 1500 is quite minuscule. Yeah, what difference does it make? There's still nine or ten thousand yeah, fans leaving the yeah. stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because half, half yeah. of them wouldn't be leaving that way anyway. So you're probably saying there's a, you're making a difference of seven hundred ish fans because of the way yeah. that people leave. It doesn't make any sense. Um, I, I don't just want to know there's... what dire circumstances change where suddenly we need a stadium limit on it. You know, it's it's like they've already started taking. They've already more or less put the new bridge in or taking the old one up, whatever it is. And granted, yeah, there is a bit of heavy machinery there, but it'd be interesting to see what the big difference is between the last home game against uh, Wimbledon and the next home game or the the Sunderland game. 
And if the, if I can see no difference, because I, I walk that way anyway, mm. if I see no difference and people can see no difference on the vlogs that go up, then why have we got the stadium limit on it? And as well, it, it, it's like, yeah, all right, if we've got a big a big um, crowd in, why not just to keep the home fans, uh, the away fans back a bit? You know, it, it's, it doesn't seem an issue for other stadiums just to go, if you're in the such and such stand and or Sunderland fans or whatever, can you just wait behind 20 minutes until we shoe off a few home fans? If you're, if you're expecting an explanation from Rotherham Council as to why they do yeah, something or why true. they make a decision, then... You need to you need to just have a quick word with yourself, Danny, because that's not going to happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? I expect too much. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, to expect something like that is just ridiculous. Um, I think there is some issue in terms of holding supporters in the ground. Some legal it's, issue in it's terms technically, of it's technically you're breaking the human rights. It's by, false uh, imprisonment. Prison. Yeah, it's false imprisonment. Technically, legally, you yeah, you're falsely imprisoned. But by, by yeah, but by, by law, it's it is false imprisonment. So um, so does that so does that means when I went to um, Sheffield United Port uh, when Sheffield United played Port Vale away with my dad, they held they held four thousand fans back within the comp within the grounds of the stadium, mm. so we weren't out in public space. They held us back whilst they shielded off the home fans. Was that? against our human rights then I think it probably is but it's a technical one isn't it you know what I mean mm. and, it, and, it, and the, the reality of it is, is is it a re, is it reasonable is it a reasonable request well yeah it is a reasonable request but somebody could if they felt so inclined you know try and stick one on you and then you're in then you're into all sorts of cash aren't you and mm. and, and it's things like that that organisations like Rotherham, Rotherham Council are absolutely desperate to avoid. They don't want any of that because I'm somebody you, will get into trouble. I'm telling you, we need a bridge from the south stand that goes over the river to the other side of town so you can just shoo away fans that way so there's no confrontation with home fans at all. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Uh, J-Boy mentions, like you also mentioned there, Rotherham fans get held back when we play Sheffield Wednesday away. Mm. It happens a lot. It, we, we've never done it in New York because of what we've just mentioned. But it still happens at other clubs. I don't quite understand the difference. But this is this is beyond our pay grade, really. Um, B woke up mentions what's it even like for Portsmouth game. Portsmouth will bring a reasonable amount. They won't bring two and a half thousand, but they'll bring a, a, a thousand or so. I would have thought, especially in Wales Bell, and it will be there probably. Um, so looking forward to that. Um, let's bring it back. Let's talk about some football for the last ten minutes of the show. Let's we'll have a mini review of the last. Uh, the first 11 games of the season did a bit of research today and as best I can tell this is our best start to a third tier campaign since 1980-81 Mick uh, which <laughs> that season didn't have too bad did it <laughs> no, alright that season it, didn't, it weren't too bad were it weren't too I'm bad I'm dodgy but, owner but <laughs> yeah, apart, you know. apart from Anton in his, fir, in his first fur coat um, yeah, it was it was two points a game back then, but equivalent. They, we they, that that season was one point ahead of where we are now, so that, that was you know. Yeah, yeah, and and look, we've got a squad that has the potential to be as almost as good as that squad. Mm. So you know, but there, there's going to be ups and downs, isn't there? You know, we're going to lose two or three on trot at some stage in the season, more than likely. You know, and then Knives will be back out again, and then we'll win two or three, and then Knives will go back in again, and you know, and then come May we'll know what's happening. Um, but it's been a really, really good start, a really positive start. Not necessarily just even putting the results to one side, 
Um, because they, to be fair, we've had some good we've had some good victories, but the results have been a bit mixed. To be fair, mm. um, yeah, we've had some clean sheets, but we've also had some poor 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 results. But performance wise, pretty much with the exception of maybe a couple of games, the performances have been on the nose. Um, and, and improving game on game as well. So, it, for me, it's been a really, really good start. Really good start. Yeah, no, as a, probably only the Fleetwood game, Danny, is the one that sticks out as a, like a sore thumb. That well, that wasn't a poor performance. Other than that, even the Wednesday game, we played pretty well and two 0 probably flattered Wednesday by a goal. So it, there's not been a bad. There's been one bad performance in the eleven games. If you keep that up for season, you're gonna that's gonna get you promoted. Yeah, and. Like you say, the Fleetwood one only sticks out, and and it's also the only game that we've lost that we've scored in, because mm. um, we lost one note to Wigan and lost two note to Wednesday. Um, but I think the Fleetwood the Fleetwood game is just a natural blip that all clubs have in a football season. You always have that one result that's like, how did that happen? Um, and like you say, the, the Wednesday result it probably flattered them, and maybe a goal would have been a bit kinder because I think on the day they just edged it. They they didn't really. Um, make us look like the lesser team because we played really well. It's just that I'd say they edged it in front of the goal anyway. And then the Wigan game, you can't really comment on a 96th minute winner when it should have really been a, a nil-nil. But anyway, um, but yeah, but I think the response to the Fleetwood loss is something that might define our season because since Fleetwood, yeah. we haven't lost. You know, we've, we've lost embarrassingly and then gone unbeaten for five games. Granted, two of them, uh, one of them was a bit of a touch and go draw against crew and then a good result against Lincoln in which we draw but if we can maintain that mindset of if we lose where we haven't played at the best and then still go on and crack on and improve on that and get results out of it that could push us higher up the table but unfortunately if you take away the draw if you turn the draw against crew into a win and turn the Wigan loss into a draw we'd be top at league so that's that's fine margins of football yeah. right there. But again, fine margins of football and how it twists and turns. We've beaten the team that is now top at league, and we are their only defeat this season. Yeah, we'll talk about this. You know when we played Wigan at Plymouth at the start of the season, Mick. First game of the season, we won two nil. It was it was one of the most comfortable games of the season. Mm. Um, I am shocked that Plymouth has, since then unbeaten and now find themselves top of the league. I don't know if that's a we can only take positives from that, can't we, really? Yeah, you're probably not as shocked as their supporters are. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah, you could do, I suppose. That, that was the first game of the season, you know, and and, you, and there's very little <laughs> gets proved in first game of the season, is there? Um, they're up there on merit at the moment, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, but having said that, you know, I've I, and and I might be I might be shouted down on this. I don't see. I don't know who they've played. You know, have they played? Have they True. played eleven out of the bottom? You know, ten out of the bottom eleven or whatever. I don't know. Um, you know, it's it, it starting to sort itself out, and and they've they've given, as have we, as have Sunderland, they've given themselves a really good chance of not getting relegated. You know what I mean? We're halfway towards that fifty points kind of thing. So, um, and that's everybody's target, isn't it? Yeah, I'm surprised to see them up there, but. It's still not bottomed out this season yet. It's still not really taken shape. It's beginning to. Um, and a lot of the clubs that are up there are the clubs we suspected to be up there. Sunderland, Rotherham, Portsmouth, Wickham. Um, you know, uh, there or thereabouts. So, 
you know, Ipswich may or may not come and join the party. It depends whether, whether they've got any more money left to spend. Um, who knows? But but yeah, I'm, I'm surprised to see him up there. But there's time yet, and I suspect, with respect to Plymouth, I suspect they may well drop away. Because I don't think, from, from the little I know of them, I don't really think they've got the quality to maintain that for the full season. But Shrewsbury did it a couple of years ago, didn't they? So you normally get only one. It's yeah. quite often you get a team that comes out of nowhere and has a decent season. Wickham, mm-hmm. obviously, Shrewsbury, Leighton Orient. There's there's a number of teams that have done it. Um, let's see if they uh, see if they last out. Over the games with Sin, Danny, oh, we'll go all, all games. Give a team. Who do you think? Who's impressed you? Opposition wise, it was called you we go up against you thought, wow, they might be up there in this season. Mm, opposition wise, um, just having to scroll through results. I think, like, like we've already said, Plymouth's a bit of an outlier because we beat them 2 0 and now they're top of the league. Mm. Um, Wednesday, uh, uh, you can't really speak highly of them on the Rotherham podcast, or else I'd get clipped and put on their Twitter. Um, I I will say Bolton. I thought they were the best team we've played so far, but at the same time, the scoreline makes it seem it were very comfortable with the 2-0. Mm. Um, but I'd say out of all of them, Bolton are the most cohesive team we've played this season, and cohesion can go a long way. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair shout. Put Bolton over there, probably the best team. Um, uh, Mick, what about Morecambe? I thought I was very impressed. No, they're obviously not going to be at the top of the league, but I was very impressed with them and have been impressed with them subsequently. The way they set up and the way they play, their togetherness. They're the, so far the surprise. I know Plum at the top, but Morecambe are the surprise package of the league for me. Uh, when, when you asked that question, when you asked Danny, Danny that question, Morecambe were the first name that came to my mind. Um, I think they they were the, they've been the toughest challenge this season. Um, I, I I get what Danny's saying about Bolton. I don't necessarily agree with him. I don't think that they were that good. Um, I can't think of anybody else other than Morecambe or who I've got any who I would rate at the moment that we've played so far. Out of all the teams that we've played so far, I think they've all all of them got issues. Uh, that that we as a as a team can exploit. So, um, you know, I I've not seen anybody as good as we are yet. I will just say Morgan was my second pick as well. Mm. Um, the, yeah. the only thing is they they yeah. sort of seem to be a little bit of a one man band with Cole Scotton because he just seems That's to be true. scoring all of them for him. Um, but yeah, it's a close first and second between Bolton and Morgan for me. Mm. Yeah, and we've got a really tough run now coming up. Uh, we've got we will have the FA Cup on the first weekend of November, so we've got these. This is the run of fiction before the FA Cup, and then we have a, probably another international break as well. We've got Portsmouth at home, Wickham at home, MK Dons away, Pete's Trophy in there as well. Sunderland, Sunderland at home, Charlton away, and then the FA Cup game will come in on I think probably the sixth or seventh of November. Um, that's not going to define our season, Mick, but. No. That will tell us where we are, if you know. Some of those teams, one of those teams will get promoted. One of those teams we play, I think, will get promoted. So I think we're going to find out a lot about us in the next four, six games or whatever it is. Yeah, I think you may, you may be right. 
You may be right. Yeah, the, the common sense suggests what you've just said there is, is right. But you know, you just don't know in football, do you? You just don't know. Um, they've all been flying uh, at some stage throughout this season. All of them. You know, they've all had good wins. Um, but there's only a couple of them above us, and they're only above us on by by a point or so. You know what I mean? So nobody's running away with this. Um, and we're not going. We haven't got into our stride yet. Maybe they haven't as well. Maybe some of these other teams haven't as well. But you're right. This is a difficult, difficult month. You know, um, I'm, I'm waiting for that run of, run of fixtures against teams near bottom, and we don't seem to have had one yet. You know, um, or every, every time we play, you know, it's somebody knocking on door at playoff places or or or, or that top three area. So um, we're, maybe we're getting it out of way to start with, um, and they're all going to play each other, and we'll be. We'll be, you know, we'll be, we'll be playing the team from bottom end of division and losing probably. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, funnily yeah. enough, Mick, after this tough run of fixtures, it is actually the run of fixtures of teams down the bottom end. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. So the Shrews game will probably get moved anyway because that is an international weekend. Uh, but then it'd be Cambridge, Ipswich away, Oxford away, which is again two teams, two tough games. But they yeah, kicks yeah. into. In theory, easier games. Steve Evans, Gillingham will come to town in December. Burton, Cambridge, Accrington, Boxing Day. Um, that's everybody. That's 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 half a season there. Uh, we get through two. So Nick stopped out, obviously. Oh, uh, North Wales, North Wales Wi-Fi uh, living <laughs> up to its to its name there. Um, a couple of uh, comments here. Ian Bradley rightly points out. Let's see where we are to twenty games. Uh, I think that's a fair thing. Uh, IUFC Ethan, uh, he was sat in front of us at the game at Scunthorpe. I'm not sure if it was out of me or you, Danny. Um, I was too busy concentrating on trying not to freeze to death, to be honest. Oh, that, <laughs> oh, that game. I still haven't recovered from it, honestly. Yeah. Honestly, the day after, my call was so cold, I just didn't move out of bed. Like, I just felt cold <laughs> here. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. horrible. I'm now wearing uh, big jackets and hats. <laughs> <laughs> well, feel free to say hello. We saw um, Russ. I saw Russ at the game. Uh, it was on Twitter. Um, so nice, nice to speak to him briefly. Um, so, yeah, I would hope to see more people at the games as well. Uh, let's see where we are. A couple more questions. Jay Boy, this is a question which we've talked, we talked a little bit about Papa Jones last week, Danny, but basically to nail down Jay's question is, if we got to the final, would you still be there? I think I'll your answer, but what have you got? Oh, yeah, I'd be there 100%. Um, <laughs> and I think a lot of fans would be there as well, unless we are in playoffs contention. I think if we're in the playoffs yeah. and we are knocking on towards the final or already in the final, depending on how the fixtures uh, end up lying, um, I don't think many fans will go to the pizza trophy game. But it has been a long time since Rotherham were in a cup final at Wembley. Yes. So we, we in theory, if if we get to the final of the Papa John's Trophy, which is still quite a big game, we would be the first South Yorkshire team to have appeared in a cup final at both old and new Wembley. Well, there you go. I don't know that. That's quite be a great start. I mean, I mean, we're already first if you include playoffs, like, but yeah. it'd just be like an extra string to your bow of we're the only club in South Yorkshire that's had a cup final at old and new Wembley. Mm. If we get there. If we get there. Um, Ian Bradley Player says he'd prefer to play the top sides uh, for the reasons they kind of like, yeah, get him out of the way, let's play him. But you got to play them all twice anyway. So, um, yeah, we've, we're, we're going to talk about, we're going to come again on for, well, we're, uh, some point this week, we're going to have an next podcast. We don't know when that's going to be yet. We'll <laughs> um, but we've got Portsmouth coming up, we're going to preview the Portsmouth game um, and, and 
and see where we go. Any any other topics that you two want to cover off? Uh, we've got a couple more minutes if you wanted to. I've got through everything I needed to ask. Next back with us, obviously. I'm done now. I'll just put another Welshman on, on, on Wi-Fi hamster wheel and he's, he's pedaling away <laughs> now. Um, but, but now they're a bit pointless, really. I've, I've, I'm, I'm all... I'm all um, talked out really we, we, it's been a bit of a, a weird week it's it's weird being at work you know and having all these wendy's going oh you're playing this weekend nobody mate because we've got internationals in our team you know what i mean it's it's a bit weird because it's usually the other way around isn't it but um mm. you know a little bit of a gloat i guess yeah it is a question for you if league one continues to have multiple games postponed due to internationals should the international breaking fixtures come down another tier from the championship it's looking that with only four games on Saturday, weren't there? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what, what's the why? He asked the question, What's the point in not having an international break? Because the whole point of MDS is so everybody's games are basically together. Whereas, if you do this, you get four teams or eight teams, four games, we play an extra game and it becomes too many fixtures out of place. Make and then you had cup games in which you're going to distort that as well. Mm-hmm. If we have a cup run, that's going to make our fixture list an absolute nightmare. And all the clubs will be in the same situation. And we know what that's like, and all don't we? We don't yeah. want any of that game. We do not want any of that again. So, you know, it costs us a place in championship potentially. So, um, the last thing we, we need is a cup run of any kind, really, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yes, it is, I suppose. Uh, so, we are going to end there. So, the next episode we will put out as a. We'll be live on YouTube, I think, on Friday, is what is the plan, in theory. We're speaking to here with Kirk Brother on Thursday, which means we can't go live on Thursday. For our normal preview show, um, obviously, unfortunately, Kirk Brofoot comes first, guys. So, <laughs> uh, so we will probably come back on live on Friday night. The podcast will try and put the podcast out Saturday morning, so everybody still wants us to preview in the Portsmouth game. It will still be out, just a bit, bit shorter time. You can't listen to us on Friday morning this week, unfortunately. And we like to do it. You know, if we, if we do it on Wednesday, we'll miss out on a lot of press conference and things like that. So that's why we're going to try and do it as late as possible towards nearer the game. The Kirk Broadfoot interview will probably be out next week, the following week. Not this, this week, coming the week after. Uh, that depends on how much editing we need to do. Uh, <laughs> um, but as I tweeted out on, on Facebook and everything else, um, if you've got any questions you want to send across to Kirk Broadfoot, let us know. He has, he has said for us to get questions from the fans, um, and we'll put all them to him that he would like to talk about, um, and then we'll go from there. <laughs> Um, I hope when you, I hope when we talk to him, Matt, you're not going to beat around bush like this. You know, you've got it. We've got. There's no point being being woolly about it. Willie, mate, we, we're going to ask him beforehand. We're not just going to halfway through ask him about the clean incident. We'll ask him before and what he wants to cover. <laughs> yes, the suspect, the suspect it. gentleman that Chio played with. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, we will ask everything we can ask, is all I will say. And that's the same with every every player we speak to as a rolling player. We will ask the yeah. questions you want us to ask, what we can. Um, so, thank you all for watching. If you're all watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe and like the video. If you are on iTunes, Spotify, whatever that, wherever your audio listening habits are, make sure you've subscribed. And if you can give us a five-star rating, where applicable, please do. Because that that makes us look pretty good, thank you. Um, and if you're not followers on Twitter, go on follow us on Twitter because you'll see if we do speak to more players in the future, you'll see it there first, um, which will hopefully get get a few more on in the next couple of weeks. Fingers crossed. Um, Mick, I can't believe this has, this has gone so well with your wife. I know it's remarkable, isn't it? 
All, all that time sat in car, and all I could have done is just sat here instead. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, think, I think you liked it, the sequel, didn't you? Yeah, possibly, yeah. yeah, yeah. Basically, what we don't know is that he's actually rented a, a camper van with Wi-Fi and he's actually sat in that in the same car park. <laughs> I, I just sold my camper van. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and Danny, it's a pleasure for you to be here as well. Yeah, always a pleasure. Uh, we'll finish on saying it's National Mental Health Day today. And it's always a very important topic that everybody needs to talk about. So if you are somebody who's struggling, reach out for help. If you need it, don't be afraid to ask for help. It's, it's okay to not to be okay. And it's always okay to talk. So if anybody needs anything, reach out to us, reach out to the charities that are mine and things such as that. Um, we're here for you. Thank you very yeah. much. And we'll see you next time. Trend. Looking towards Ravel, ambitious.